All right, if you would take your Bibles tonight to the book of 3 John. Book of 3 John. Not a book that we often turn to. It's just one little chapter almost directly before Revelation. The book of 3 John. Third John is a very interesting letter. It's a very personal letter written by the Apostle John to a specific person. You can see his name there in verse 1. And it's very short. It's only mentioning a couple different things, only 14 verses in its entirety. But I want to look at a truth out of this small little letter this evening. If you would look there in verse 9, we'll read down a little ways. And then we'll jump in this evening. The book of 3 John, starting in verse 9. John, writing here, says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that they would, forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Verse 12 says, Demetrius hath a good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. Look back at verse 12 for a minute. There's a man there mentioned named Demetrius. And if it's your habit to mark in your Bible, I'd ask you to mark two phrases about this man. It says, Demetrius hath a good report, first of all, mark of all men. And then note the second phrase that's there, and of the truth. Demetrius is a man Paul is right, or excuse me, John is writing to, and he mentions this man, and he says, hey, Demetrius has a good reputation. He is a good report of all men, those in the church, those around him, he is a good reputation. But then he says that reputation that Demetrius has isn't something that's just skin deep. It isn't something that is just there for show. It isn't something that Demetrius just has on the outside for other men to see. The other phrase that he mentions there is of the truth. He says, I know Demetrius. And Demetrius isn't a guy who just acts one way for people to see but that's not really where his heart is. That's not really where his, where his passion is. He says, Demetrius, no. Demetrius acts one way, and that's who he really is. That's where his heart is. His heart is in what he's doing. That's a thought I want to dwell on for just a few moments this evening. Over the past several months um, in my upper school Bible class, we've been studying through the minor prophets, and as we've been going through, we're up through um, Nahum as of this morning, there's been a reoccurring theme that I've seen over and over again. And it's a thought that I've really been meditating on since we started going over these minor prophets. And something that keeps reoccurring throughout these books as Israel and Judah are in this sort of weird time period of judgment and back and forth with God with these different prophets. And one thing that keeps coming up over and over and over again is that God is always after the heart. God is always after the heart. There are many examples, if you just read briefly through, where you'll see Israel, and they're maintaining all the outward 
trappings of their religion. They're maintaining their sacrifices and their feast days and their Sabbath days. And they say, God, isn't this good enough? And he says, no, I'm after your heart. There's one example I can think of off the top of my head in Micah chapter 6 where the Jews come to God through Micah and they say, hey, do you want more sacrifices? Do you want more of these religious rituals? And Micah 6, 8, it's a famous verse. I'll paraphrase it. God replies to them, what I want is for you to do justly, to love mercy, and for you to walk with me. And this thought of God being not just after our outward actions, but after our heart, is one that I've been trying to continually bring up in that Bible class, and one that I've been meditating on really for the past several months. And it's a thought that when I saw this verse, it immediately stuck out to me, those two phrases. Demetrius had all the outside stuff going on. He had a good report. He had a good reputation. The church looked at him as an upstanding church member. He was probably there serving, doing all of the different things. Um, but at the same time, Paul said that's not just for show. That's not just for display for men to see. That's where his heart is. And as I was thinking about this thought, actually this message I started jotting down in the middle of a service the other day. I started going through the Bible and I started jotting down several verses. And we're going to do something a little bit different this evening. We're going to be turning to a lot of Bible passages. What I want to do is we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to look through the New Testament twice, if you will. One time, we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about our outward actions, our outward reputation. And then we're going to go through again, and we're going to look to see what it says about our heart, about our motives, about why we do what we do. Because I don't want to discount either one of these two pieces. They're both vitally important, but both of them have to be there. Both of them have to be there, and we'll discuss that a little bit more in the end but if you would get your Bibles ready, we're going to start in Matthew. We're going to be going in order, and we're going to be staying solely in the New Testament. Um, but we're going to be going first through, and we're going to be looking at what God has to say about our outward actions, about our reputation, about what other people would look at as looking at us as Christians. So if you would, turn back to the book of Matthew. This is by no means an exhaustive list. There are plenty, plenty more that you could no doubt think of some off the top of your head. But these were some ones that I picked out, looking at what God says should be our reputation, what God says should be our outward actions. Remember, Demetrius had a good report of all men. People looked at him, both in the church and I'm assuming in his community, in his family, it says of all men there, and he had a good report. He had a good reputation. He had a good standing there. And that is a very important part of our Christian life. Back in Matthew, you're in Matthew chapter 5, very famous verse. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, many of you could probably quote it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We could obviously spend many minutes discussing that verse but that simple thought of men seeing our good works. That is that outward reputation. We'll see that thought over and over and over again. A few verses down, still in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 5, look down at verse 44. Verse 44 comes at the end of a long list of 
things that Jesus was teaching in that Sermon on the Mount that seemed very contradictory to the Jewish people. Verse 44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. But look at verse 45. Look at this first phrase. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. That first phrase, that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven. I have in my Bible jotted down two words, resemble God. How much do we resemble God to those around us? He says that there because as Christians, we're supposed to be acting in the way that God does in this context. He says loving your enemies because God sends the rain on the just and on the unjust, but he says that ye may be as children of your father. How much do we resemble God to those around us? He's our father after all. How much of his character are we reflecting? We're flipping ahead a few books to the book of Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're looking at a lot of scripture this evening, moving fairly quickly on both of these two subjects, our outward reputation and our heart as well. Acts chapter 4, we have the early church there in Jerusalem. Peter and John have been preaching, and they are brought before the religious rulers of the day. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they, being the Pharisees and Sadducees, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, look what it says. They marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Again, we could spend hours just on each one of these individual verses. Does our reputation indicate to those around us that we've been spending time with the Lord, that we've been spending time walking with God? What is our reputation? What does our outward actions say about where we've been spending time? Have we been spending time with Jesus? Flip over a few pages still in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Pastor just covered this chapter very recently on Wednesday nights going through the book of Acts. On a similar note to what John said of Demetrius, the good report of all men, look at Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Then came he, being Paul, to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and, Jewess and believed but his father was a Greek. Look what verse 2 says. Which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Timothy was a young man who, when Paul showed up, people pointed at him and said, hey, he's got his act together. He's serving God. He's doing all of these different things. He had that reputation like Demetrius who had a good report of all men. Timothy was well reported of by the brethren in the area that he was at. He had that reputation that really influenced those around him. His outward actions were such that he had that reputation of being well reported. Couple books over to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians. It's very similar to the verse that we started off in Matthew chapter 5, Philippians chapter 2. Again, with the thought of our outward actions, what people see that we do, 
what people hear that we say, how we act. Philippians 2 chapter, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 2 verse 14. We'll look at verse 14 and 15. Verse 14 says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Very similar thought there to Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Philippians says, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That outward reputation that other people are seeing of us. It's a vitally important thing. Uh, a couple books over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Paul writing to Timothy, as we just mentioned a moment ago, who had that good reputation. He was well reported of. 1 Timothy chapter 4, again, very famous verse. We could spend much time discussing it. Many of you could quote it. But 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. An example of the believers. Again, Timothy was that young man who was well reported. Here Paul is saying, be an example. When other people look at you, they should see an example of what a Christian should be, an example of the believers, it says there. Uh, just a few more here on this subject. Uh, two books over, I believe, to Titus. The book of Titus, again, another man that Paul is writing to in a similar circumstance as Timothy. Look at verse, or rather chapter 2, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7, Titus 2, 7 says, In all things, shewing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine shewing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned. He that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say about you. Here in Titus, Paul takes it a step further to the point where he's saying, those who disagree with you, those who would be opposed to you, they can find no evil to even bring up about you. I'm reminded of Daniel in this context where the only charge that those men could get uh, him accused of was that of worshiping his God and they had to bend through loops to try and get him in trouble for what he was doing. Daniel has such a sterling reputation that those who were opposed ended up being ashamed because they could find no evil thing about them. Um, Paul says there, in all things, showing thyself a pattern. Timothy, he said, be an example. We're supposed to have that reputation. Our outward actions are supposed to be one that points people back to Christ. One more passage on this subject, a bit further in the New Testament, to the book of James. James chapter 2, again another very famous passage, James 2.18, says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Shew me thy faith without thy works, and I will shew thee my faith by my works. You cannot see my heart. I cannot see your heart. The only indication that we have of what is going on in someone's heart is by our outward actions, is by our reputation. And it's vitally important that we as Christians are conscious of that 
Because the point of our reputation is to be pointing people back to Christ. Matthew chapter 5, 44, you don't have to turn back there. We were already there. But Jesus said that ye may be child, that ye may uh, be as the children of your father. Matthew chapter 5 said that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. Acts chapter 4 said that they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. Our reputation is supposed to be one. Our outward actions are supposed to be such as would point people back to Christ, point people back to Christ. Um, so our outward actions, our reputation, our report being the Bible word there is a very, very important thing. Demetrius in 3 John had a good report of all men, but that's not all he had. He didn't just have a reputation for being there in church. He didn't just have a reputation for being there and doing all the right things. John said he has a good report of all men and of the truth. Mentioned it before, but he said this man's reputation doesn't just go skin deep. It goes all the way to his heart. The way he acts is the truth. He has a good reputation of the truth. And so with that, we're going to sort of transition, if you will, to the second half being our heart. Our heart. It's not simply sufficient for us to have that outward actions. Like all of those minor prophets that I mentioned, the Jews had the outward actions. They had the sacrifices, they were keeping the law, doing all of the things, but their heart was far from God. And you study through Jewish history and you can see that all the time that they were keeping up those sacrifices and the religious rituals and all the different things, they were also worshiping idols and going and aligning themselves with other countries and all these different things showing that their heart was not in their actions. Their heart was not in their actions. If you would, flip back to the book of Matthew. Again, we're just touching on some highlights, very familiar verses. But we went through and looked that there is a great importance on our outward actions. Why? Because it's what people see. It's what people see. It's the only way that we have to influence people. People can't see our hearts. I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. The only influence that we have over people is by our actions, by our reputations. However, God does see our heart. And God knows our motives, and God knows why we do what we do. And so that is equally important, if not more important, than our outward actions. Look at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, again, we'll move through the New Testament again, touching on some highlights. Again, not exhausted by any means. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus speaking there said, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He said, these people are talking a good talk. They're saying the right words. They're praying the right prayers. They're doing all of these things. But their heart is far from me. Flip over a couple chapters to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 verse 35 In a slightly more specific instance, Jesus said, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts 
Forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. The words aren't simply enough. The words aren't just going to cut it. It has to be from the heart. And remember, it's God who knows the heart. And he knows what's behind our words. And he knows whether behind our words or the songs or the prayers, whether we have a heart or not that is truly after him. One more in Matthew, a couple chapters over, Matthew chapter 22. Very, very famous verse here. Matthew chapter 22. Verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Note that there's no actions in there. There's no outward actions there. There's no rituals. There's no things that you have to check off a box to prove that you love the Lord. It comes down to our heart, and he knows our heart. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Remember, Jesus said that's the first and greatest commandment. Our heart for God has to come first before anything else. Um, book or two over to the, uh, the book of Luke. The book of Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke 6, 45 says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. What's in our heart is ultimately going to influence our actions, our words, whether that is a, in a positive way, if we are loving the Lord our God with all our heart, then that will come out. But our heart is going to influence everything else we do. There's only so long that we can say the words and talk the talk before what's really in our heart comes out. You don't have to turn there because I'm not going to read a specific verse, but Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. Many of you are probably very, very familiar with it. And in Luke is recorded the response of that elder brother. And if you recall, he was the brother who stayed on the farm. He was the brother who was doing, if you will, all the right things. He was the brother who was not running off into a far country. He was the brother who was not spending all of his substance on riotous living and all of these different things. But his heart was in a wrong place. Because when his, his brother came home, he grew bitter over all the rejoicing and all the celebrating that was going on as a result of his returning. Um, and again, we're not going to read the verses in its entirety because it's a lengthy passage, but I'll just read one of these that was the response of the brother. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. And he goes on, and his heart was in a wrong place. His actions were there, if you were to look from the outside, you would see a faithful son. You would see a dutiful son. But what you wouldn't see was the heart that was bitter. What you wouldn't see is the heart that was not filled with love and rejoicing over his brother coming home. His actions were in the right place, but his heart was not. Um, again, in Luke, a few chapters over to Luke chapter 18.
Luke chapter 18, we'll look at verse 10. Another familiar passage, sort of on the opposite side of this thought. But Luke chapter 18, verse 10 says, Two men went up into a temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. And you can read through the rest of the passage there. But look what it says. I love the phrasing of the Bible there. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He was praying all right, but he was praying with himself. God was not hearing that prayer. It was a prayer from a wrong heart. It was a prayer from a proudful heart. And it's almost even cringeworthy to read that prayer and hear those words that he's saying in that boastful heart. If you were to look at that Pharisee from the outside, you'd see somebody who's following all the religious laws. You'd see somebody who was following the Mosaic law and all of the Jewish rituals. You'd see a man who was in the temple praying. What you wouldn't see is the proud, boastful heart that was behind it. A few books over to the book of Romans. Book of Romans. Romans chapter 6 is a phenomenal chapter on the subject of our deliverance from sin. But look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. Know what it says there. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Obeyed from the heart. Same book, couple chapters over, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, very, very familiar verse on the subject of salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We all would agree with the fact that it's not some magic words that you pray to get saved. It's not some, some phrase that you recite. Um, but it's a prayer that comes from the heart. That is what truly leads to salvation. And then how often do I choose to go throughout the rest of my Christian life only content to have, if you will, the mouth service, the lip service? How often do I neglect to truly have that heart change, that heart worship of God that leads into my actions? We, we get that for salvation but how often do we miss it when it comes to our everyday actions? A couple more here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, on a slightly more specific thought here. But 2 Corinthians... Chapter 9, verse 7, familiar verse again. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. We looked at the subject of forgiveness a little while ago. Here's the subject of giving, but again, it's the same principle. Giving, yes, that's great, but giving from the heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. I'm not giving so that people look at me and say, man, he's giving so much money. He's doing all of these different things. Think back to the Pharisees. They would dump in their coins for people to see. God says, not of grudgingly or of necessity, but purposing in his heart. God loveth a cheerful 
giver. Um, a book or two over to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians. Paul closing out his letter there in chapter 6. Spends a while discussing relationships there. Look at verse 5, and we'll read down, I believe, through verse 6. Ephesians chapter 5, look there, verse Ephesians chapter 6, excuse me, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. That phrase there, not as men pleasers, is a very key one. We don't do what we do simply to have the applause, if you will, of men, but doing the will of God from the heart, from the heart. If you would turn to two references here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 2. I want to show both of these at the same time, and then we have one more on this thought. Revelation chapter 2 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Revelation chapter 2, we'll read there first, is the letters of the seven churches. And it's the first one of them, I believe, to the letter of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know thy works, thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience. Note those three words. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And it starts off great, but if you read down through that letter, you'll realize the accusation against the Ephesian church there is that they lost their first love. They were busy with their works. They were busy with their labor and all these different things. But they had lost the heart behind it. If you have 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, look there. Remember those three words, work, labor, and patience. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verse 3 with me. Paul in his introduction there says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the sight of God and our Father. Same words there. Work, labor, patience. But somewhere along the lines in that Ephesian church, they lost their first love. They let themselves get so caught up with the outward that their heart got left behind. Whereas in that Thessalonican church, he makes the comment, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience with hope. They had the same things going on on the outside. But on the inside, there was something different. That first love, if you will, was still there. One more passage on this thought. 1 John chapter 1. If you still have a marker in 3 John, it'd just be a couple pages back. 
1 John chapter 1, and there are many verses that you could find in 1 John alone just on this subject. But 1 John 1 says that if, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. All of these verses that we looked at, and we looked at a lot of them, and we were only really scratching the surface on both of these subjects, but I just wanted to show for just a few moments the fact that God places great emphasis on both aspects. I'm not trying to diminish one or the other in any way whatsoever. God places great importance on our actions, on our reputation, on our report, because that's what the world sees around us. Because that's what our family sees. Because that's what our community sees. They can't see our heart. But at the same time, God does see our heart. And he knows the motives of what we're doing. And he knows why we do what we do. Um, and as I was even just going over this, this evening, another thought came to me. You don't have to turn back in there. But Matthew chapter 6, that same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes mention of the Pharisees who would pray and they would fast, and they would go through all of these different things. And he said, they do it to be seen of men. And he says, verily, they have their reward. They have their reward. Again, this has been a thought that I've been meditating on, and it's a thought that has been really speaking to me. I don't want to get to the end of my life and stand before God and have him say, yeah, you did all these things fill in the blank of whatever it might be. But your heart wasn't in it, and your reward was simply to be seen of men. Your reward was simply that applause. Your reward was fill in the blank. It wasn't done for me. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have God say, yes, you filled in the blanks on the outward actions, but like those Jews, your heart was far from me. He said, they draw nigh to me with their lips. They say all the right things, dress the right way, do the right things, but their heart was from me. I don't want that to be said about what I do for Christ. I want it to be done, from him, done for him from the heart. One final example as we close this evening. We're going to turn for the first time to the Old Testament. David is known as the man after God's own heart. And if you read through the book of Psalms, and we're not going to take the time, but it's very clear to see David's heart after God. Those Psalms, I don't know how many of them were made public, how many of them were David's own personal prayers to God. But those Psalms show us David's heart. He is called a man after God's own heart several times throughout scriptures. And so I believe it's fair to say that he had that heart despite his obvious mistakes and the horrible things that he did. He still had that heart after God. But I want to take a moment and look that David did not neglect his outward reputation. I believe David is a very good example of what we see here in 3 John. He was a good report of all men and of the truth. With that, turn if you would to 1 Samuel. You can look throughout all the Psalms for David's heart, his heart after God. 
But when we look at his early stages, we see that he did not neglect his outward reputation. He did not neglect the way he carried himself. 1 Samuel chapter 16, David has just come on the scene as the harp player for King Saul. Or rather, just before that happened, Saul is looking for a harp player. Look at verse 18, 16, 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty, valiant man, a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. That was the reputation that David had. I don't necessarily know where all of that came from, because this is even before he comes on the scene with Goliath. But something about David had rubbed off that heart for God. Note that it says the Lord is with him, was evident even from this young age that he was. Remember what it was said about the disciples. They took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. There was something different about this man David and stemmed from that heart after God. Turn over to 18, 1 Samuel 18. We'll look at a few more verses there. This is a bit further down the line of David's progression. He sort of become enemies with Saul at this point because of his popularity. Look at verse 5. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's, Saul's servant. David's heart for God led him to be acknowledged by that, that soldier who went and got him for Saul. Now that same reputation, that same heart for God is carrying him, him into favor with all the people. Look over, just a page over, um, to verse 12. Verse 12. And Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with him and departed and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him captain over a thousand. And, the, and he went, in and came in, went out and came in before the people. Look at 14. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. We see that same thought there. That heart for God translated over into his behaving wisely, into his uh, reputation. Verse 15, wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. One more verse in this chapter, verse 30, the end of the chapter. Then the princes of the Philistine went forth, and it came to pass, after they went forth, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. We saw in 3 John a man named, uh, what was his name? I forgot already. Demetrius, thank you. We saw a man named Demetrius, and John made two comments. He has a good report of all men and of the truth. It's through and through. It's not skin deep. David, the Lord is with him. And it showed in his reputation. It showed in his actions, in his behaving himself wisely. And 
this has been a thought that has been on my heart for really the past four months as I've been studying through the Minor Prophets and seeing this thought over and over and over again. How careful that I, I need to be to make sure that in my actions I don't get caught into routine, I don't get caught into just doing the same thing over and over and over again and forgetting that walk with God, forgetting to have that heart first after God and then letting everything else flow out of that. I don't want, like those Pharisees, to be somebody who gets all caught up in, if you will, religious ceremonies. And obviously we don't have all the Jewish laws, but uh, caught up in doing what we do and just going through the motions. And then at the end of the day have the Lord say to me, your heart wasn't after me. And because you just did it for men to see, you have your reward. It's been a thought that's on my heart for a long time here. And it's one that I need to continually remind myself of every day because it's so easy, so easy just to go through the motions, so, so easy just to show up at church three times a week, and so easy even to read my Bible and do all those different things but how many times have I done those things, gone soul winning, you fill in the blank, how many times have I done those things and it was just outward actions. There was no heart behind it. And it's a thought that's been constantly in my mind, one that I've been meditating on, and it's one that I wanted to share this evening. There is, I'm not trying to De devalue either one of these two things. Both of them are extremely important. Our outward actions is what people see, but our heart is what God sees. Our outward actions should be pointing people to Christ, but our heart, like David, should be after God. Both of those things need to be in line. Very difficult to have one without the other. If we have the actions with the heart, without the heart, we're no different than the Pharisees. We have the actions without truly having a heart after God, then we're just going through the motions. And we're just doing what we're doing without truly having a heart after God. Demetrius had a good report of all men and of the truth. I wonder, could that be said of myself? You wouldn't know because you can't see my heart. I wouldn't know about you. I can't see your heart. But God knows the case about me, and God knows the case about each one of us. Can it be said of me, can it be said of our church, that yes, good reputation on the outside, the actions, all that different stuff, which is good, which is pointing people to Christ. But would God say about me, would God say about you, that you have a good report of the truth? It's more than skin deep. It's more than just outward actions, but it penetrates truly into our heart. And like that first and greatest commandment, it could be said of us that first and foremost, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray this evening. Lord, I sure do love you.